Good evening, good evening. Good to have you all here on this. Uh, what a wonderful Sunday this has been. Has it been nice out there? If you've been watching the news, or if you watched the Colts game up in the corner, it said, freeze warning tonight. So it's going to get cold tonight, but oh, you know, it's going to get here eventually. So uh, that just means it kills the bugs. Hopefully it'll warm back up and we'll get that Indian summer. You've got you to have your first freeze to get the Indian summer in, you know, so... Now we can maybe get, look forward to an Indian summer, get a couple weeks of 70-degree weather. That's always nice. Good to have you. Welcome. Uh, let's see what we have in the way of announcements for you. Uh, first time joining us, if you're here for the first time in person, please stop by the, uh, the uh, Welcome Center out there. We've got a gift for you. If you're visiting online for the first time, please, sbdandy.org slash connect. Let us know you're out there, and it's always an encouragement to us. Uh, our Bible Institute is tomorrow, 7 o'clock. I believe this is our last one, maintenance workers, so if you know of maintenance issues, you might want to tell somebody so we can discuss them. If you want to get involved in, in uh, the volunteer aspect of maintenance work around here, uh, be here at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. That is always a blessing when you show up and let us know you're there. Shut-in visitation, this is a new thing for us on Thursdays. Uh, it doesn't have to be then, but you know the, uh, the plan is Thursday starts October 20th at 9.30. See Miss Glenda, she'll help you get visits and get you paired up with someone so that you can go make those visits and visit our shut-ins, all right? Uh, Trunk or Treat is October the 26th. That's a week from this coming Wednesday, I believe it is. Uh, also happens to be J.D.'s birthday, just so you know. He's got a, a magical birthday this year. Uh, but anyway, um, Trunk or Treat is also happening, so if you want to get yourself involved in the decorating of your trunk uh, as the kids come around, See J.D. or Joey, and they'll get you uh, signed up so you can participate in the decoration contest. There's about 45 kids you need to plan on for, uh, for that. Our missionaries of the week are Josh and Annie Moore. We had mentioned to you this morning that they're home on furlough after seven months or seven months, seven years of being uh, in Ireland. Uh, they're coming home for their first furlough, and uh, they've got a great work going. Honestly, it's, if you could read their letters, you can. Just go back there and read their letters. Uh, it's breaking their heart to have to leave the, the ministry God's you know, called them to. They're loving it. God's blessing it. They're just doing a wonderful job, but they're going to be home and uh, visiting churches that are supporting them and uh, also visiting families. So they would ask you to pray for them as they're traveling and pray for the church back in Ireland. That's always a blessing. And we always like making announcements. Most of you probably already know this, but uh, let's share with you this announcement. Congratulations to Matthew and Mary. Yes, there they are right back there. It is official, so we're so excited for you guys. Congratulations. Uh, we're thrilled about what the Lord's doing, so they said that I could announce that to you tonight. I think that uh, most, how many of you already knew that this morning? So that's what I figured. Most of you already got that. Uh, those of you didn't, you just aren't in the know, you know? I don't know what to tell you. You're, you're just not in this. But anyway, it's just an exciting time. We're so thrilled for them, all right? Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's stand. We'll have a word of prayer and ask the Lord to bless our time today. Father, we are so thankful for the privilege we have of coming to your house, singing your praises, and allowing your word to challenge us, to inspire us, to push us. God, I pray that you would meet with us here today, that you would just uh, watch over each and every one of our hearts, that you would draw us close to you. Those who are unable to be here, we ask that you'd put your hand of blessing upon them. Those who are watching online, you'd watch over each and every one of them. We thank you for Matt and Mary and pray that you would bless uh, their lives as they're coming together to uh, serve you as a unit, that you would just... Uh, guide them and, and help them to see how you would have them to live out that life. Bless every aspect of this service. We'll thank and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mr. Levi, where are you at? There you go. Peace. We're going to sing. There you go. All right. Join me as we sing. Bow the knee. What a privilege to come into God's presence Just to linger with the one who set me free As I lift my eyes and see His awesome glory I remember who He is and bow the knee Bow the knee Oh, 
With his voice he spoke and all things came to be. Yet he hears his simple prayer I bring before him. When I humbly seek his face and bow the knee. Bow the knee, bow the knee. He is king of all the ages, bow the knee. God alone on his throne. See him high and lifted up and bow the knee. Kneel before him, all adore him. As you live to love Him more, bow the knee. Thank you. You may be seated. Birthdays and anniversaries. Let's see what we have in the way of birthdays and anniversaries. So I don't know. I don't see Miss Mary Cavaletto here. But uh, she had a big birthday this last week. So when you see her, wish her a happy birthday. Anybody else have a birthday this week? Any birthdays that we celebrated or need to celebrate? Who are you pointing to, Miss Faith? Joshua. When was your birthday, sir? Wednesday. How old are you? 20. Ooh, no longer a baby. There you go. And how long have you known the Lord as your Savior? 14 years. Praise the Lord. Amen. Anyone else? James. Uh, I think we celebrated his last week, didn't we? So that was... We mentioned his. Anybody else? How about anniversaries? Do you have any anniversaries this last week? Any anniversaries this last week? Oh, Miss Anna? Oh, yours was the seventh. Okay, and how many years? Twenty-seven years. Okay, twenty-seven on the... No, it doesn't work that way, does it? That's not quite the golden one, but okay. And uh, so, you're it. You get to tell us. What's the secret to twenty-seven years? That's right. Bob strives to put her first, strives to lead you in a godly way. And what was the other one that you said? Strives to... And to be forgiving. So that's wonderful. Praise the Lord. That's, any other anniversaries? Not here. All right. Let's sing happy birthday slash anniversary of these folks. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy God bless you. Happy birthday to you. Okay, so the uh, looking funny thing is a, uh, is a private joke between Miss Anna and I. Now, it's not really a private joke because I did it publicly. But one year she said, uh, what was, how was it you said that? Yes, and I said, that's, she said, marry someone funny like me. And I said, yeah, but looks aren't everything. And so that's why she was making that comment. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. David, come on up and pray for us. Get me out of this. <laughs> If you're able, please stand for the reading of God's holy word. Daniel, chapter 2. And in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams, wherewith his spirit was troubled, and his sleep brake from him. Then the king commanded to call the magicians and the astrologers and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans for to show the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. And the king said unto them, I have dreamed a dream. And my spirit was troubled to know the dream. Then spake the Chaldeans to the king in Syriac, O king, live forever. Tell thy servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The thing is gone from me. If ye will not make known unto me the dream with the interpretation thereof, ye shall be cut in pieces, and your houses shall be made a dunghill. But if ye show the dream and the interpretation thereof, Ye shall receive of me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and the interpretation thereof. They answered again and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation of it. The king answered and said, I know of a certainty 
that ye would gain the time, because ye see the thing is gone from me. But if ye will not make known unto me the dream, there is but one decree for you. For ye have prepared lying and corrupt words to speak before me, till the time be changed. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that ye can show me the interpretation thereof. The Chaldeans answered before the king and said, There is not a man upon the earth that can show the king's matter. Therefore, there is no king, lord, nor ruler that asks such things at any magician or astrologer or Chaldean. And it is a rare thing that the king requireth, and there is none other that can show it before the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh. For this cause, the king was angry and very furious and commanded to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. And the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain, and they sought Daniel and his fellows to be slain. May the Lord sanctify us through his word. You may be seated. You can stay seated as we sing, As the Deer. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after Savior, instead, I bow to the 
you, ladies. I hope your heart is filled with thankfulness. And the result of that would be, leave one of those for me, please. Thank you. The result would be that uh, you would uh, love and follow him. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 4, but I wonder if there's someone. Now listen, I don't want mercy testimonies. You know what I'm saying? We're not looking for an opportunity. Oh, pastor, he's going to feel bad if nobody shows up. No, I'm not. I'm really not. He said, uh, Pastor, I am busting gut. God has done something. I have to share it. That's what I'm looking for. If that's you, I've got a microphone here for you. And you can step right up here and share it. Otherwise, we're going to get started. And... Come on. Colossians chapter 4. Hello. Some of you know that this past week I went to visit um, some relatives of mine in Oregon. And um, I've been praying for them for a long time. I haven't seen my family in Oregon for about 25 years. And um, so I got to spend time with my dad. I got to share the gospel. And I just appreciate your prayers for them that they would make a decision for Christ. Amen. Well, the word never returns void, right? So, amen. Anybody else say, Pastor, i got to share it. God's done something, i got to share it. This is your chance. David, come on up. Well, I'm at Indiana Baptist College, and somebody... Uh, the financial advisor at the college recently texted me saying that somebody anonymously paid my school bill this year, and so it's like kind of out of nowhere. And so praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hang around with David. That's the key. <laughs> Anybody else? Pastor, God's done something. God is here. This your chance. All right. Well, I want to give you that opportunity. Praise the Lord. I didn't know of any, but uh, I'm glad to see that the Lord did. That's always exciting to see those kinds of things. Speaking of Indiana Baptist College, while I'm thinking about it and not going to forget Miss Dulce, I'm going to deal with you right now. Can we do that? So we met this morning with Miss Dulce Forte, who has, uh, wants to join our church. She's going to Indiana Baptist College. Have you trusted Jesus Christ, your Savior? If you died right now, you know you go to heaven. And you have followed Lord of Believer's Baptism. And it's your desire to join our church and serve the Lord in this place. Amen. That's exciting. She'll be here for at least four years. So we're excited about that. All those in favor of accepting Ms. Dulce into the membership of the church, let me know me raising your hand. Opposed? Same sign. Put your hand down, John. I'm just kidding. He, di- he didn't raise his hand. Praise the Lord. We're glad to have you. So uh, at the end of the service, I'll try to remember to uh, remind people to come by and, uh, and welcome you officially into the uh, fellowship of the church. That's exciting. Colossians chapter 4 is where we're going to be. Colossians chapter 4. As we're uh, looking at uh, this book of Colossians, we've come to this place. Now, in verse 1, we kind of ended it with it last week. It, uh, in verse 1 continued kind of the theme from chapter 3 where it was talking about servants and, uh, and that's employees and employers. And, and it basically says in verse 1, employers, take care of your employees, right? That's what you're supposed to do. And so that's verse 1. But then in verse 2 of Colossians chapter 4, it seems to kind of change gears as the Apostle Paul is wrapping up the letter uh, to the book of Colossae or to the, children, to the church of Colossae. He's wrapping up this letter, and uh, he's, he's really going to kind of change this theme out as he begins in verse 2. Let's go ahead and start to continue in prayer. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would uh, just meet with us today as we look at this passage, that you would use it to challenge us, that you would use it to stir our hearts and uh, create in us a desire to draw closer to you and to live for you in greater fashion. And Father, we'll thank and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Don't, this is not rocket science. Don't make this hard. What has to be true for you to continue in prayer? You have to already be doing it. Do you understand? Not rocket science. You say, Pastor, it's too late. I can't continue in prayer. Okay, now it's time to start then, all right? We would start, and then Colossians chapter 4 can become your reality, where we continue in prayer. As he's writing to the, book, to the children of Colossae, or the, children, the church of Colossae, he is... Um, He's going with this assumption that this is already taking place in their Christian life. Prayer ought to be something we are doing, right? And not, it's not something that is thrust upon us at moments when we have difficulties and trials. It is something we ought to be doing. We ought to be continuing in prayer. And so I want to challenge you first if we just jump into this that, you know, he's, he's really changing gears and he changes gears in such a way that it's like there's an assumption. This is what we're doing. Have, have you ever, do you remember, uh, it's been a while since we've done this. Uh, probably ought to dig it out again and, and do it again. But we have uh, a church covenant. Uh, and basically what it says is when you join our church, 
This is what we are committing to one another. As a church body, we're making a commitment to one another. This is why church membership is so important, right? Because we actually are making a commitment to one another. And one of those commitments is prayer. We ought to be praying for one another regularly. How many of you hope somebody's praying for you this next week? Yeah, you get the idea? I mean, we all need it. We're kind of hoping for it. The Apostle Paul is entering this with an assumption. He's assuming that this is taking place, continuing prayer. So I want to just challenge us. This is where we need to be. If we're not, if we're not actively involving people into our prayer life, we need to consider that we, we need to, okay, let's stop and redo this. Let's rethink our Christian walk here for a moment because prayer is that important. Um, you know, coming up with a prayer list is, is always a challenge. It is. Um, you know, so a lot of people, there's a thousand different ways you can do this, but, you know, of what seems to work for me the easiest is to have on Mondays, certain group, Tuesday, certain group, Wednesday, certain group, Thursday, certain group, Friday, certain group, Saturday, certain group, and I'm just going to be honest with you, I take Sundays off. Uh, Sundays, at least for that time, because I'm here, and so I'm just like, Lord, bless the service and help me to get ready to preach the word, right? Uh, so uh, that's what I'm trying to do. But, you know, so it's, it's our families, it's our friends, it's our church families, uh, it can be our missionaries, and, and it can become a very extensive list. That's up to you. You've got to decide how to do this. Uh, and I'm aware that we all have lives, and you say, Pastor, I don't have, I mean, if I put everybody on the list that I know, I don't have time to make all of that happen. And I know that prayer is a challenge. I'm aware of that. Um, you remember, I think I've shared this with you before, and I'm not, I hope you understand I'm not trying to say this in any way to try to put me on a pedestal, but it is just me just giving you an example. So I stood in front of Pensacola Christian College and said, if you want me to pray for you, write your name on a piece of paper, and I, I, my commitment is to pray for you once a week from now until the end of the school year. Well, it's, you know, this was in October, and uh, the end of the school year was a long way off, and I'm standing in front of 5,000 students when I'm saying this. And I'm like, Lord, please be kind to me <laughs> as I'm saying it. And the first time I did it, it was like, I think there were like 72 students that handed me the, whew, that was a challenge. Do I do this again? So I go back the next year and I repeat it. So my, the, the most I've ever gotten is like 257. Do you want to be challenged in your prayer life? to pray for 257 people by name once a week for whatever. Now, that one I did because I was there in the spring. <laughs> like, Lord, be nice. So you know, I just promised to pray to the end of the school year. That's, all, that's, that's my commitment, right? So that was like for six or seven weeks. But 257 people, that was like, whew, that was a challenge. Can you make that happen? You can. I'm not suggesting that you do that. You don't have to do that to have this prayer life. But we ought to have a consistency in our prayer life. Most of us, our prayer life consists of two things. One, Lord, bless this food. And two, Lord, help me. Right? That, that's our prayer life. So in other words, the second one never happens until we get ourselves into a critical mode. And then we're like, Lord, please step into my life. And, and we wonder sometimes, you know, how we, we, we're not really connecting to God. It's because... We've not maintained a connection in this area of prayer. So anyway, this is I'm really off base here, but he says, continue in prayer. And look what he says in the rest of that verse. And watch in the same. What is the same? Prayer. Watch. What does watch mean? Be vigilant. In other words, don't slack off. Be vigilant. Watch in the same with, and amazingly, we just had a great song, right? A great song that fits with this verse. With Thanksgiving. In other words, not, I have to pray. Remember the old commercial? Now, you have to be really old to remember this commercial. Time to make the donuts. Right? <laughs> you that? We ought not to approach our prayer life that way, right? It ought to be with thankfulness as we're coming to the Lord. But, but in, in context of this, what am I being thankful for? Not just the opportunity to pray. What am I being thankful for? That He's God. Say it again. Okay, give thanks for everything. Okay, in context. What am I going to give prayer? He answers the prayer, right? It's in context. Lord, here's what I'm praying for, and thank you. And thank you for answering prayer. Because I have a God who answers prayer. 
Do we believe this? I, I shared this with you, you know, before, so I'm share again, but and now I'm sharing it, and it goes all over the airways, and that's a little bit more dangerous. Uh, I, you know, I have to be careful. But you know, Mia one day calls me up. She is a student at Maranatha Baptist University, and so she says, "Dad, one of my professors said prayer doesn't do anything because God is sovereign; He's going to do whatever He wants to do anyway." Yeah, that was my response, too. I said, well, then here's what you do. You have your professor, you turn to James, and you have your professor read this verse. Ye have not, because... Oh, would you please explain that to me? Explain how my prayer does nothing in this equation. You get the idea? That's just one. I mean, there's a lot of examples on this. That's just one. Is God sovereign? Yes. That's not the issue. But the sovereign God says, I respond to your prayers. That's what the sovereign God says, right? So in his sovereignty, he has given you and I the ability to approach his throne and make a difference in his sovereignty. Because he's either going to, going to or not going to, depending on what I do. That's what the Bible says. That's a big challenge, right? It is. So as we pray, let's be thankful. We have a God that actually hears and answers our prayer. Go on to verse 3. Withal, praying also for us. Now then, he's, he's, really, he's keeping that same theme of prayer, and he's going to help them here. That God would open unto us a door of what? What does utterance mean? Speaking. Why? To speak the mystery. What is the mystery of Christ? The gospel, to speak the gospel, for which I am also in bonds. In bonds. He says, listen, I'm in prison because of this. He says, I want you to pray that God would open doors for the gospel to go forth. When's the last time you said, God, open a door for our missionary? God, open a door for our pastors. God, pray that a door would open up so that there's an opportunity to go to, where was it, Oregon? to Oregon, and share the gospel with my family. Wow, that's what we're supposed to be praying for. right? And as we pray for those things, we can be thankful that we have a God who hears and answers our prayer. And he, he wants, So I want to challenge this with our prayer time. Okay, we're praying. Let's pray that God would begin to open doors. Hey, listen, I don't know about you. I, I honestly believe, and I, I mean... When I got saved back in a long time ago, um, back in the 1970s, the big thing was the second coming. I mean, everything was about the second coming. Everything was about the second coming. That was Hal Lindsey, late great planet Earth. That was uh, Jack Van Impey. That was, you know, all the, I mean, it was a, the second coming. That was, every time you went to church, they, they spoke on, you know, there was only like two themes. One was, you know, cut your hair, and the other one was, God's coming back. You know, the Lord's coming back. And was, wow, it was, like, these were, it was it. And so, um, but I am convinced, like never before, that the Lord is coming back. And if he's not, woe unto us. What if he doesn't come back? Look at it out there. Whoa, this is a crazy situation. Uh, I was listening to talk radio, which I don't suggest you do very often, but I was listening to talk radio this last week. You know, when I travel, you know, you, you start listening to stuff. And, but uh, this lady stands up at a California high school school board meeting. And she's going to read from one of the books in the library. I won't share the title of the book. And I won't share what she read. Not in this setting. You can ask me privately, but I'm not going to do this in front of your kids. And she said, you know, I want to know why the school board, because this is the list of approved books from the school board. They have, they have to give approval for what's going in there. And so she says, my son's in the seventh grade. This is, the, this is, it was hideous. It was beyond what you can imagine. And uh, I tell you, if the Lord's not coming back, we're woe to us. So if the Lord is coming back, then you know what we need to do? We need to be sharing the gospel a lot more. Wouldn't you agree? 
And if the Lord is not coming back, right? If He's not going to come back, then you know what we need to do? Share the gospel a lot more. Because the only way we're going to survive, or our kids are going to survive, or our grandkids are going to survive, is through the gospel and the power of the gospel on this society. Because we're in a world of hurt. He said, pray that God would open up a door. Pray that we would have the opportunity to speak the, the mystery of Christ, the gospel. Uh, that's uh, what a wonderful thought. So uh, then go on, if you would, please, um, to verse 4. That, it may ma- that I may make manifest as I ought to speak. He says, in other words, that, that I would be able to show the gospel in a way that it ought to be shown, in a way that, that people would understand it. That I may make it manifest, make it understandable, Pray that as we preach the gospel, as we share the gospel, as we go out and invite people to church and, and hand them that tract and we give them the, that it would be an understandable thing that they know that they could, that the, the light, the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ would pierce that dark heart and do a work. Pray that the, the gospel would be manifest and, and that we would speak as we ought to speak. Now, I don't know about you, but I do believe that we speak to different people in different ways. I'm going to tell you that based on Jesus himself. All right? He spoke to the woman at the well one way. He spoke to the woman who touched his robe one way. He spoke to the blind man one way. He spoke to the uh, lepers one way. He spoke to the Pharisees one way. I mean, he, he approached the people with the wisdom of where they, what they needed to hear. Do you understand? So we need to do the same. Pray that God would give us that wisdom to speak His truth as we ought. That God would open up a door. Many of you, you have, you have jobs and, and situations where you could share the gospel, but it needs to be in a situation where you're invited to share it. Right? Most of us, that's where our jobs are. Most of you, not us. My job is a little bit different, but most of you, your job is that... If, if, if someone asks a question, you're allowed to answer it, but you can get yourself in trouble at church, or at church, I mean at work, uh, at school, whatever it happens to be, if you are viewed as pushing something, right? So, so what, you know what we have to do in those cases? We have to pray that God would open up a door, and that when the door is open, that I would know how to make manifest, to speak as I ought, God's truth. And so that starts with prayer. It doesn't start with boldness. It doesn't start with any... It starts with prayer. We pray that God does these things. Um, He says, verse 5, Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. In this passage, basically, he says, we are to continue in prayer, and in this... If I can sum it up two ways. One, pray for souls, and two, pray for soul winners. Right? That's what he's saying. Pray for us that the doors will be open and pray that when the doors are open and we give the truth, that the truth is made manifest and they hear it. Pray for soul. Walk toward them that are without. This is something we are supposed to be actively doing. In other words, we don't wait for people to stumble into our path. Lord, send a lost person my way. No. We walk toward them that are without. Do you see how this works? This is a on purpose. We live out our Christian life on purpose. And so we don't wait for somebody to stumble into our path. We're looking for someone to walk toward. He says walk toward. And it does say walk in wisdom, right? We've got to be wise about this. Wise as serpents, harmless as doves. That's what the Bible says. So we, we wisely walk toward them that are without, carrying the mystery of Christ, the glorious gospel, that which will make a real difference. And we do that having first saturated it in prayer. Sometime this week, somebody in our congregation is going to have an opportunity. A door is going to open up. And you know what the difference is going to be? How much we have been praying. That's the difference. The difference maker is, have we done our part? Have we prayed that God would prepare the heart of whoever's on the other side of that door for the gospel? Have we prayed that the heart of the one walking through the door would be wise in the way they approach? Are we praying for one another to this regard? Are we including the gospel 
souls and soul winners in our, in our prayer time. Jesus himself said, pray ye, the Lord of the harvest, that he would do what? Send forth laborers. Why? Because the fields are white and they're ready. They're ready. The fields are white, all ready into harvest. In John chapter 4, it's, a, it's an amazing passage. I'm getting off here, but just here it is. So in John chapter 4, it's an amazing passage where, you know, Jesus says to the disciples, look up, for the fields are white unto harvest. And so you have to ask yourself, where were they looking? You know? If they weren't, I mean, it's, it, the implication is Jesus is like, hello, you don't have to go anywhere. All you have to do is open your eyes. Open your eyes. The fields are white unto harvest. Right? And, and the disciples seem to be like us. Oh, Lord, I, I wish I could find a lost person so I could share the gospel with. Uh, you know, I, and, and it's like, where were they looking? Where were they looking? I mean, the implication is literally like we're standing in the field. Look around. And, and that's really the way it is, right? We, we go to work. We go to school. We go to the store. And the fields are white unto harvest. What the missing element is that we need to saturate what we're doing in prayer, as a body, that God would open up those doors. You know, the, and this has been true for a long time. One of the, one of the challenges of Southeast Baptist Tabernacle is outreach. And when is the last time you remember seeing someone walk the aisle to trust Jesus Christ as Savior? Now we see that quite regularly during T and T times, but they're not walking the aisles, of course, here. But you know, we see we see that, but. Where's that happening? When's the last time that you brought someone you led to Christ to church with you for the first time? Maybe I should say, when's the last time that you led someone to Christ? Or maybe I should say, when's the last time that you shared the gospel so you might actually have the opportunity to lead someone to Christ? And know this, when I'm preaching to you, I'm preaching to me. You understand that this is us. Right? I'm, not, I'm not trying to dump on you by any stretch. Well, it starts with prayer. Here's what I've noticed in my life. The things I pray about, I start caring about. You see, some kid at Pensacola says, here's Pastor John, pray for me. And I don't care one whip for this person. I don't even know them. You understand? I don't. But four weeks in, as I've been praying for them, all of a sudden, I begin to care. And two years later, when I run into that kid on campus, and there's something back in my mind, I, I should know this name. Wait a minute. Hey, I've been praying for your dad. How's he doing? It's incredible what that does to people. Because the things I pray about, I start caring about. So if I start praying for the souls of men, I start praying for soul winners, you know what begins to happen to me? I start caring. I start caring. That's what God wants to bring us to. He says, listen, pray. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without. Verse 6. Now here he's going to tell us. He's going to say, Here's what it means to walk in wisdom toward them that are without. Listen to what it says. I love this. He says, walk in wisdom to them that are without, redeeming the time. We'll come back to redeeming the time in a moment. And then he goes on verse 6, and he's going to tell us what it means to walk in wisdom as I'm about to speak the gospel. Let your speech be, what's the word? Always. Not usually. Not sometimes. Not most of the time. Always. With grace. Be always with grace. I love the way he said it. I love the way God says it. Seasoned with salt. Anybody in here not like salt? I'm just curious. Anybody not like salt? Brother Chuck does not like salt. What a weird guy. I mean, out of all of us, okay, and Miss Christie, I've rest my case. And so, <laughs> I'm kidding. So, you know, most of us like salt. And even the people who say they don't like salt, let me tell you, Here's the truth. You don't like salt like I don't put salt on my food, but you, that's because there's, there's, there's hardly a, a food that we eat that does not have salt in it, right? Hardly a food that we eat that doesn't have salt in it. And all you have to do to prove it to yourself is, is say, okay, I'm not going to eat any salt this week. Or how about just for a day? And when you're eating your last carrot, raw carrot, because that's about all you're going to get, right? Carrots and broccoli. I mean, 
Everything has salt. We, we like it even if we don't know. Most of us like salt, right? Uh, I'm not going to point out anybody, but his initials are Andrew Solaric, who sits down at the table and grabs the salt. Am I right, Miss Jessica? Grabs the salt shaker. I'm like, have you tasted that food, Andrew? No. But it always tastes better with salt. That's what, <laughs> that's what he tells me. Always tastes better with salt. Well, God uses this because he knows. He says, our our speech, when we're, when we're sharing the gospel, when that door has been opened and we're about to give utterance, he says, always let your speech be seasoned with salt. Now, don't make this hard. Why, why do we put salt on things? To make it taste better. Thank you. To make it taste better. So the idea is that I am supposed to approach the loss. In a, in a manner in which, so that my speech is seasoned. It's palatable. Do you understand? I mean, I can stand up and declare the truth, you know. You're going to die, and I'm trying to be nice because we have kids in the room, you know. And spend eternity. So I have to tell you, this is just funny. So, um, Miss Joyce, you know, she had, she had the aneurysm things going on, and she, her, her, um, uh, Mind is not yet working right, okay? So she had a nurse, a, a guy nurse, scared half out of his wits because she said to him something to this effect, the devil's going to burn you in <laughs> He's thinking, what kind of a person am I dealing with here? <laughs> and uh, I just point out, is it true? Is it true that lost people are going to go to hell for all eternity? Yes, it's true. Is it the number one approach to us in reaching people with the gospel? Probably not. And I would point Jesus out to you as another example, right? Jesus says to the woman, well, he could have said, by the way, woman who's living with the guy that's not your husband and he's the fifth husband. You've already had five husbands and the guy you're with now. He could have used all those words. But you know what he said? Anyone who's thirsty... And drinks of the water that I have will never thirst again. And she's like, what kind of water do you have? Because she's offering him the drink, remember? She's giving him the drink. And he's like, can you imagine? And so what we need to do is we're approaching the lost is to have our speech seasoned with salt. Make it pal- always with grace. Always. Why? That ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. If we get in the habit of using salt in our speech, not so much in our food, we probably get too much of that, but uh, in our speech, if we get in the habit of making our speech palatable. You know, I know some people who take, like, take pride in uh, speaking their mind. Okay, good for you. That most, you know what translation is? I'm rude and a jerk, but I speak my mind. Well, good for you, you know. Now let's be Jesus for a moment. Let's be Christ-like. Let's season that with salt. Because everybody is to always season their speech with salt. To make it palatable. And especially when we're going to a lost and dying world and giving them the hope and the help that the mystery of Christ has to offer. That's what we're supposed to do. So in the context of this, he says, pray that the door will be opened. Pray that when the door is open, we speak the way we should. And then pray that as we are speaking, we're walking toward them in wisdom, that we speak in such a way that they'll actually want to hear. Uh, Jesus, again, we, I love Jesus' example. What Jesus does, John chapter 3 and John chapter 4, John chapter 3 is Nicodemus, John chapter 4 is the woman at the well. And Jesus literally Create these conversations which, at any moment, the person could walk away. They could cut them off, right? Jesus says, hey, would you give me a drink? And she says, well, I'm a woman, and, and uh, I'm, not, I'm a Samaritan, and you're a Jew, and you're a man. I can't believe you're asking me for a drink. And he says, well, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me for a drink. She could have walked away. Oh, well, I don't really care. But she says, I wonder who he is. And, and he draws her in to that conversation. Remember in Nicodemus, with Nicodemus in John chapter 3, Jesus said, you know, you must be born again. He's like, 
wait a minute. Uh, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he in the second time into his mother's womb be born? And Jesus is like, what? You are a father of the children of Israel and you don't know these things? He says, that which is born of flesh, flesh, that which is born of spirit, spirit, marvel not that I say that he must be born again. Right? And, and he, he draws Nicodemus. And, and by the way, Nicodemus and the woman of the well both become followers of Jesus. And the next thing you see with the woman of the well, the whole city, she goes out and gathers everybody up. She says, come in. You gotta, I've met the Messiah. You've got to come and see this guy. And many in the city become Christians as a result. Why? Because seasoned with salt as he approaches the lost and dying world. So let's go back up to verse 5 and show you this last thing we're going to be done. The last phrase is redeeming the time. It's, almost, it's like this little tagline right there. Walking wisdom toward them without doubt, redeeming the time. It just simply means this. Time's running short. Right? We don't have a lot of time. Time is not on our side. Whether it's because sin is coming in and corrupting things, whether it's because the Lord is coming back, whether it's because death is imminent, I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Here's what we do know. Time is short. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what day may bring forth. Right? What is your life? It's but a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Time is short. For many, time is short because we just don't have much time to influence. Right? We, we have this given moment of opportunity like uh, so i teach at a christian school but so i teach and you might think well that's you know you've got a whole year well first of all you don't have a whole year and secondly once that year is done you know how often i see those kids you know how often i bump into those kids i will tell you miss vicky you'll remember them so you remember bob and uh, or, uh, young the youngs right so Lori young i run into Lori young at we're at the at the restaurant over there with the missionary, no, with uh, the singing team that was with us for two weeks ago for the uh, event that we have with the teens. And so I took them out to the, to the uh, Mexican restaurant over there, and um, this, la- this girl, well, she's a lady, she's in her 50s now, but she was in my youth group. So, so I said, I, here's what I have to say. So I said, uh, she says, I want to introduce you to my sons. This is my 30-year-old son. I said, man, you must be getting old if you're 30. And her younger son says, you must be getting old if you were her youth pastor. <laughs> well, you know, what can I say? <laughs> so anyway, you know, but every now and again you'll come back and you have that second opportunity, right, to say something, to encourage. But often we have just one shot at influencing someone with the gospel. Or we just have a very short time. We need to redeem the time. I have, I have never one time said, oh, I wish I hadn't spent so much time talking to someone about the Lord. But I have on more than one occasion said, I wish I had spent more time talking to someone about the Lord. You get the idea? So it starts with prayer. Let's saturate this with prayer. Let's ask God to open up some doors for the people in this group right here. And let's ask God to give them wisdom when those doors open. They know just how to speak, seasoning their speech with salt so that it's acceptable, so that it's palatable. And let's redeem the time. Recognize we don't have much time to do this. Father, God, teach us to pray. God, burden us for the souls of men. Help us just to take the challenge of praying for souls and for soul winners so that we might begin to care more and more about that which you care most enough to give your son the souls of men. And then, Father, as doors open up, give us wisdom to step through those doors. Give us utterance to speak the right words in just the right way. And, Father, we will thank and praise you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before we go to the invitation, look this way. Let me share one last verse with you. It just came to me as I was praying. Here's what the Bible says. Proverbs. A word fitly spoken. Spoken at just the right time in just the right way. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. Isn't that incredible? In other words, that kind of word does more. So God, give us the wisdom to have the word fitly spoken. Open the door and give us utterance. Let's stand with our heads bowed, our eyes closed, please. We're going to sing.
663, make me a blessing. 663, make me a blessing. The altar's open to you. Maybe now would be the time we start praying. Let's ask God to do something with our congregation. As we sing together, you step out. Out in the highways and byways of life, many are weary and sad. Carry the sunshine where darkness is right, making the sorrowing glad. Make me a blessing, make me a blessing. That's our challenge, Southeast Baptist. Uh, I'm going to ask you, this, if you're not already doing so, so that you could continue, that you would start asking God to burden our hearts for the souls of men, to be with our soul winners, to open up the doors, to give us the right words. And let's see what God might begin to do. If I, I'm telling you, if you'll spend the next week praying for souls and soul winners, by this time next Sunday, you'll care more for souls and soul winners. Let's see what God will do, all right? Um, Ms. Dulce is up here, so make sure that you stop by and welcome her officially into uh, the fellowship of the church. Mary and Matt are back there. Make sure you stop by and congratulate them. You know, Matt, a man's not married. Not married. A man's not, uh, you know this, right? I've said this a thousand times. I'm going to say it again. A man's not complete until he's married. Then he's finished. I'm kidding. <laughs> I am kidding. So, all right. Anything else that's supposed to announce? Lord bless you. Keep you. Make a space to shine upon you. Give you peace. Lord, watch me. Me and these are absent one from another. Love you all. God bless you. You are dismissed.